Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing? Big Dave and Joe. A lot of news, a lot of poker news to work into the show tonight. A lot of things happening. Uh, a couple of high-profile head-to-head matches. Uh, one that just got done, one that is upcoming that a lot of people are looking into. We've talked a little bit about them in the past, but I want to get into some of them tonight. Uh, also, um, stuff happening in tournaments around town, starting to become a little more uh, prevalent here. And... Uh, Several things uh, with the with the business side of poker, uh, the possibility that the uh, Sands Corporation may be getting out of Las Vegas. That would be a major shock. But uh, I re- found out a lot of things about that today that I uh, was kind of surprised to hear. So I'll pass some of that along. Uh, if we get a chance, uh, we'll talk about a couple other things. Uh, there was an outage in online poker last week that uh, disrupted several tournaments. We might get into a little bit of strategy session as well. And uh, one of I'm not going to say one of the greats of the game, but certainly a pretty well-known guy, Sam Grizzle, passed away uh, over the weekend. And uh, we might talk a little bit about that. Joe said he uh, was aware of uh, some stories about him from the poker dealers he knew. So uh, we might get into some of that as well. Uh, but the first thing I want to bring up, and I just wondered what you've heard about it, Joe. And this is kind of the forgotten side of uh poker because we were good friends with uh the guys who ran ppc uh when they were uh above board and uh, honest before things went down the tubes and uh joe actually we uh went to uh, aruba and worked a tournament down there and then they sent him to a couple of tournaments up in the midwest and uh we were friends with these guys i'm not going to say that too much about them tonight but uh, they ran one of the great bar leagues, one of the first bar leagues called All In Free Poker before they started the PPC. And that was a big part of town. There's also a couple other ones I've been following around town over the last few years. Uh, the uh, No Limit Pub Poker Tour and uh, a couple others like that. And I was kind of curious. I don't know what you've heard, Joe, but a lot of uh, poker dealers get involved and maybe start their careers at some of these places at bars. What have you heard about what's going on since the pandemic? Well, nothing that as far as I know was had gone on because most bars were closed. Right. Uh, we also had, if you remember in studio, we had Steve Watkins right. who also was a competitor and ran a bar league uh, thing. And I just, uh, you know, forgive me, Steve, but I don't remember the name of the bar league. It's been a while. Um, and I actually, I don't even remember what the PPC Bar League was called. When, if, but uh, that was called All In Free Poker. All In Free Poker, okay. And I think so, his was something with the word all in it also. Well, whatever Steve's. it was, but uh, I know they were competitors, and uh, we did have Steve in studio. Um, some dealers have, when you say start their careers, what happens is these are usually students for the most part. Uh, that are just getting out of school or still in school and being that they're not getting paid as far as they got to get tipped by whoever wins whatever prizes and everything else. Um, You know, we got into a little bit of how that, how they made money on this. And and I know that, that our friends from uh, our former friends from the PPC made some really good money at this. And I'm sure Steve did because he ran it for so long. Um, the dealing is not, <laughs> I don't want to say it's not, it's bad, but it's definitely not at the top of the list of poker dealers. Um, sometimes no, it's a, learn, it's a get, learning sometimes spot. Sometimes you will get, exactly, that's exactly what it is. And being that it has the connotation of so much fun and the drinking, you know, rules are kind of, I don't know, I, I call it, I, I went to the two or three of them that I tried to, to help with, to try to promote something. And it, it, I don't know. I mean, again, it is, you are dealing to people. Um, so it's, it, to me, it's almost like playing free play online yeah, day, right, you know, right, where, right. where people aren't betting the way they normally would if it was real money, but yet you might get a little bit of a learning experience as to how to play certain cards and situations. 
Um, well, and that to me is the same thing for the dealers. And a lot of them had a, like a big goal in mind, a big season ending tournament, a chance to win some decent prizes there. So there was some, some pressure on playing the game, right? Uh, I, I'd also look at it like a, a free money site, uh, online with the addition that people want to have the, uh, social experience of it. And, uh, we'll play in a lot of these leagues because they don't really care about, they'd rather not lose money. They don't really care if they win money, but they want to meet people and they want to have some fun. Well, if you remember, they're not allowed to give out cash prizes. So the arrangement with the establishment could have been half price drinks, a bottle, uh, maybe. Remember, this was like a promotional uh, situation for the bars, you know, to, to attract people. And I don't know if it was Steve's company or 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 our our previous friends from PPC or another company. Cause I remember you mentioning then, but we might've had somebody else on, on the show that had kind of, it was like a league. It was a bar league where they, they were at a lot of different bars and you kept earning points. Almost right. like a free roll tournament to eventually have one major tournament where right. someone would win a trip to Vegas or something like that. So, you know, those are really nice because if 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 these people are bringing thirty or forty new people into your establishment, that definitely helps the establishment get new people in there, and eventually it it, it develops a very strong following. Well, and, it's a, it's an underappreciated part of the business, but I think a, a somewhat essential part of the business. And I think it's probably absolutely disappeared by now. Oh, it's obviously definitely you know since March. I don't I don't know. I wasn't following it prior to that. Uh, but yes, it, it, and it serves two purposes, Dave. One, it starts letting dealers, you were talking about the lead dealers, but remember in poker, you need new blood. And this was a way to introduce people in a friendly, you know, uh, manner as to, you know, how to start playing poker and, and seeing the upside of winning prizes and stuff like that. So, you know, if it helped, if it helped bring, one, two people every time they did this, I think that's as important, if not more so, than the training uh, that the dealers got. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, if you're out there, you're listening to the show, and you have any information on a league that you play in or have heard of or what their situation is, love to hear about it and uh, maybe have some guests on the program in the next few weeks to talk about how the pandemic has affected them, obviously in a very negative way. But I have a feeling that uh, this uh, – uh, no Limit Pub Poker Tour is actually trying to get a couple events off. Probably very difficult for them to uh, agree with the bar owners on what they're going to do, but they're trying to get something going. Well, Dave, remember, you know, bars are – have you? Have any of you guys, Joe – I mean, I'm asking Joe also, have you been to a bar yet? Have yeah, you sat I have. at the bar? I know I've done it already twice. Yeah, I have. have you know, so I don't know if Joe has – People start getting a little bit more comfortable going back into the bars and being at the bars I'm but not with the mask bar. and everything. No that way. might be where the situation becomes a little more difficult for, for this well, uh, online poker. We're back. We're back on the on the cases thing. I, I, I went to a bar in April in a hotel and I felt so dumb the day after. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm sitting there. I feel so stupid that I did it. it was, fortunately, it was in Tennessee and it wasn't a big problem. They didn't have a lot of numbers. But right now, in a social place, I would love to be in a bar. I love dive bars. I love dirty, sea, gross dive bars with gross characters and people and smoke. Even smoke is okay. I'm not going there. Not right now. I'm going to wait. <laughs> well, I'm talking about a nice, forget about the sea bars. I'm talking like, listen, I, I love to eat at the bar down here by my house, the, the Texas Roadhouse. And, you know, gotten along great with the two bartenders that were there. And I kind of missed that, you know, and now we, my wife and I were actually able to sit down at the bar and I love the interaction with the bartender and eating at the bar and everything else. So uh, luckily there was no one else around us. We go early enough where we really don't have a lot of people, but I missed that. I, I didn't think I would miss that as much as I did, but I really did miss that interaction. I miss it too. I miss, I miss so much. It's all, it's all, uh, but everybody knows. It is what it is, whatever. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on. A uh, couple of uh, news items from the uh, online world of poker, which is really still 
uh, where most of the people are playing now. We are seeing some other tournaments resuming on different places. But uh, last Thursday night was really a frustrating night for uh, online poker players in the U.S. Uh, there is a browser extension called GeoComply that uh, pinpoints the player's location so that they uh, comply with the regulations. Uh, when it experienced a malfunction on Thursday night, many users were left unable to play in their tournament. And there was a couple of major tournaments going on. 888 was the first one to kind of stop their tournament and refund some money. But uh, Poker Stars was having a tournament, Poker Stars New Jersey. Uh, in fact, it was the uh, online uh, New Jersey Championship of Online Poker. And so uh, they, that was major uh, problem with that one. They were in the middle of a tournament and there was party poker. I mentioned there was a couple others as well, but uh, just your thoughts, Joe, if you told me you've been in tournaments before where your machine froze up, uh -huh, yeah. it, it's extremely frustrating, but if you're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's just terrible. It really is. I mean, uh, Granted, I wasn't playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, but first place was, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And, um, you know, um, I've had it both ways where my service went down and I was literally, you know, bouncing off the walls. And I've had it where the uh, online site went off. And that's really frustrating because you're not sure if it's you you're not sure. And then all of a sudden the comments start coming up and then you, and when you call for support <laughs> and the number's consistently busy, you know, for a damn fact that it's there, yeah. that their service went down and it well, is frustrating. And there's absolutely, I, well, I'll give you an example. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but in one of the big tournaments I was in, I was very deep into the tournament and, um, I was sitting probably in the top five chip count and it was a tournament that was only paying 27 spots, but the payouts were really good. I got, I got knocked out on my end uh, with 25 players left. So two had been eliminated. I never got internet service back. So I had to wait, you know, finally went to bed after three, four hours of really trying to get on there. Um, and when I woke up the next day, my, me being blinded out, I lasted all the way to either seventh or eighth place, and I got seventh or eighth place money. And it's frustrating as hell because you don't know if you would have won that tournament. Right, exactly. Well, you know, I think a lot of people actually took advantage of it. That there was some tweets online of people saying that, uh, you know, when they missed 15 minutes of play, I think the whole thing lasted about 45 minutes. But a lot of people said these people were, uh, you know, the guys that were stayed online were like raising every hand and just collecting other, just basically collecting other people's money. And well, Dave, let me tell you something that I've Not done. Not that you would expect and, anything else. And, but, well, no, but listen, this has happened to me. And well, obviously it happened in that particular incident, but I've actually been also uh, in my favor and against me where my service went down. And I was either heads up or three handed. And, you know, you're constantly just getting raised and bleed and blinded. And I faced somebody who we were heads up. He got knocked out. So, you know, you can't sit there. You don't know how long it's going to go. So you just keep raising his blinds and they, and they just keeps coming to you. And I, I, didn't quite get to blind him out, but I crippled him so much that when he did come back on, it was over in a couple of hands anyway. Yeah, yeah but, but it's happened both ways, you know, where I've been blinded down to barely nothing. Well, um, you know, I guess they did the best job they could to try to keep people happy. But again, it's kind of unavoidable. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you, you, something you just to keep in mind when you're playing in some of these events. Uh, the other thing I want to mention was uh, Sheldon Adelson uh, has reportedly hired a consultant to explore exiting from the United States gambling industry. Now, they have the biggest company, and I didn't realize this, but uh, they have a list of the uh, top uh, seven companies in worldwide revenue from gambling casino companies. And the Las Vegas Sands company is number one with almost, uh, I guess, what? 14 uh what is it 14 billion dollars a year and that's, his, that's, Sheldon's? that's sheldon's 
Uh, MGM Resorts is a, is a tick behind, and then quite a ways down next to Caesars uh, Entertainment, uh, Galaxy, the Wynn Resorts, and uh, Crown Enter- Enterprises from Australia and Penn National. So those are the top seven companies in the world. But he's looking to get out, and this is what really surprised me, Joe, is that uh, they do about 13% of their revenue in the United States. Everything else is from the huge markets of Macau and Singapore. Okay. And and what surprises you, that they're making that much money over there? I mean, we yeah, know I didn't now. Yeah, even know what kind of precedent, presence they had over there. Well, we've known for a while now that they overtook Vegas as the number one ga- capital yeah, you know, gaming that, that site in the world. Me. So, um, you know. Getting out of the United States, they are a publicly traded company, as far as you know, Dave. Yes, I, well, so, I, I believe so. I, I don't. You know, know so exactly. if they're publicly it. traded, you know, they got to get they got to go through the whole procedure. I mean, maybe they don't see the U.S. market coming back for a relatively long time from this pandemic. I mean, as we've said many times on this show and everybody else. You know, the, the new normal uh, is not going to be the, the old normal. And, uh, you know, how many people are still going to stay away even once a vaccine or, or you know, the, the all safe bells sound that people are going to say, oh, you can go back to a relatively normal life. You know, I, I don't know. It's a lot of money they've lost. Well, we know that he's had what people call an Internet jihad. To, against uh, any kind of online gambling uh, succeeding here in the United States. He spent uh, millions of dollars, but uh, it said uh, over $1.5 million, well, uh, you know, in, in just, I think, the last year. And, ha- I mean, I thought I read something recently. He's had some health issues also. Yeah, he's 83 years old. I he's mean- 83 years old, and he has been uh, having, you know, some problems. And not to mention, uh, they said he uh, – he contributed to Donald Trump's campaign uh, $75 million. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, actually, it wasn't, it wasn't directly to Trump's campaign. It was actually a campaign against Joe Biden. That's okay. all? $75 million. <laughs> Nothing. From one man. You know how long it would take you and I to uh, raise that kind of uh, funds? I think uh, <laughs> our lifetimes combined. <laughs> Uh, we don't have enough lifetime between the three of us to, to raise that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, with all these other companies and uh, properties being sold over the recent months, uh, you know, you're going to need a scorecard to uh, drive down the strip pretty soon. So, but wait a minute, let me get this straight. You said he wants to exit. Sell, the U.S. Sell market. The US hang, market. On, hang, hang on to his uh, international properties. And just get rid of his U.S. market. Yeah. The other thing is he owns the Las Vegas Review Journal, the big newspaper out there in Vegas. So he said he would probably keep an office out there. But he's he's definitely trying to get out. All right. Well, maybe it's his family telling him he needs to slow down a, a little bit at the age of 83. Yeah. You know? But, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, it's – Listen, you got to stand up and pay attention when a billionaire decides he wants to sell yeah. uh, something that we think is very is a very lucrative business. So, no question. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is the two matches. One of them uh, just concluded. It was it's kind of a made for video type of event, and it will involve some other players. But uh, the opening match was between uh, Phil Hellmuth. And uh, Antonio Esfandiari. It's a show called uh, uh, High Stakes Poker Duel. And the whole format is basically uh, for the two players to go head-to-head in uh, certain matches. Uh, There would be a total of eight, I believe, uh, if they completed the whole thing. But anytime one player wins three in a row, he can take out the stakes which is exactly what Helmuth did. He, they played three matches and Helmuth won them all. Um, you have buy-in with a $50,000 buy-in. So you're playing for a hundred thousand in, in the initial match. The loser in each round has the right to challenge the winner for a rematch for double the stakes. And then uh, if you decide to drop out, there'll be another potential challenger willing, willing to step in with, with the new stakes. If they do not uh, set the challenge, if you, uh, 
You could win $12.8 million if you make it to the eighth round of this challenge. And basically what happened was it was a drubbing. It was uh, it was Helmuth on top and head-to-head play, and you could watch all these hands on uh, Poker Go. Uh, I want to give you a couple of hands because they kind of surprised me a little bit. And I guess, you know, when you can see the cards, it's obvious, you know, that maybe it was a bad play or not the, not the right uh, story to tell on a, on a certain hand. But let me give you a couple of hands here. Uh, in the opening match with uh, Esfandiari holding a two-to-one chip lead, he raised $1,100 from the button with eight-five offsuit. Helmuth called 600 more from the big blind with ace-three of clubs. And the flop was a jack-jack-four. So you got, uh, that was a rainbow flop. Uh, One spade, a jack of diamonds, four of hearts. So Helmuth checks. Esfandiari bets 600. Helmuth check raises to 1,800, and Esfandiari calls. There's a seven of clubs on the turn. And so Helmuth bets 3,200 with his ace-high hand. Esfandiari raised as a bluff with the gut shot straight draw. He's obviously got, uh, you know, he's looking for a six to complete the straight draw. Made it 11,300 to go. Helmuth bets 29,000 and Esfandiari decides to make the call. So then the river comes. Helmuth checks in the dark. Ace of spades completes the board. Esfandiari announces all in, putting Helmuth at risk for his last 34-8. Uh, Helmuth makes the call to reverse their chip positions and then was able to close out the match from there. So that's uh, just kind of shocking that you would get into some kind of calling uh, situation this with 8-5 is... off, offsuit. Dave, these are guys that have played each other, have known each other for years. Yeah, this that's is, true. Do you know how that term, this is way above my pay scale? <laughs> this is way above my poker scale. I mean, this is stuff that poker scale and poker skill. Huh? Yeah, poker mm-hmm. skills there. I mean, you know, this is these are two, you know, Hall of Fame, unbelievable poker players who just think about it. They each, I guess, they each knew the other didn't have anything, um, and you know, it, it got down to the finals. Um, and again, I I can't even fathom how to play this game like. At that level, like that, like they're playing for that kind of money, and right. um, you know they they are playing at a next level, you know, of, of poker, and this is this is the rarefied air of, of poker greatness of the top pros. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know, True. I can't, I you know, listen, I would have folded probably <laughs> when Helmuth re raised or you know as Fagliari raised and then Helmuth re raised them. I probably would have let the hand go right there, but you know. Neither one actually had anything, although, uh, you know, Helmuth fan was was a much bigger favorite, you know, obviously with that ace in there. So I don't know. It just is just when I hear you tell this story, I'm thinking to myself, damn, I got to I would have to put in way too many years that I don't have left <laughs> to yeah. be able to play poker right there. No, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, so he won the first two and then he actually told us Fondiari that if he wins the next one, he's going to cash out. And that was going to be it for the match. So they played it out and uh, Phil won again. And uh, that gave him uh, $400,000 of winnings. So he uh, he uh, not only that, but obviously Phil enjoys the bragging rights over the magician. Of course. <laughs> I you know, I don't know. I guess I would have done the same, you know. Um, again, it's uh, – I would have loved to see the other hands that they played and how long it took for one or the other to take take the their stack. Well, this to, this to actually stack started it. back in July. They played the first match back in July, and then they were unable to get together again until September for the second match. Uh, and then they finished that one, and then finally they started the third one on October the 21st. And uh, – you know, it doesn't really give a lot of time on to how, but I'm sure, uh, you know, you can check these out on PokerGo and uh, see them for yourself if people out there are interested. Uh, they're going to do it again with two new players battling it out for 100000 in the first round. They have yet to uh, announce who they would play. Any thoughts of who you'd like to see in one of these? 
Well, I'd love to see Daniel. You know, I've, well, Daniel's going to in... get to in a second because he's got a bigger he's got bigger fish to fry right now. Really? Yeah. Well, again, I haven't heard. I'd much like to from see Fader Holtz. There you go. That's right. Fader Holtz, uh, and then one of the guys maybe who has really come on in the last year or so, uh, Alex Foxen or uh, Stephen Chidwick or one of those kind of guys would be great. Yeah, that, listen, watching any of these young kids or any of these top pros, it's, it's again, it's a next level, you know, next level stuff for for most poker players like you and I, Dave. You know, for for the average poker player. Uh, you know, their, their thought process and how they, you know, perceive their opponents and how they're able to read all these things. Um, it's, I'd love to be in their mind. I'd love to be there. Just, you know, obviously anybody would uh, get get a, get a free education learning why, but this is something that's taken them many years to uh, to achieve this. Well, I uh, it goes back to the show we did with Corey Zeidman uh, a few weeks ago. Were you at? Were you on that show? No, or no? sir. Oh, yeah, you were on. Anyway, he had this whole thing that they're developing has to do with uh, getting the players' thoughts during the during the game. So uh, they're trying to put together this video series where you can actually. Uh, find out what people are thinking as they're playing. The other players at the table can't hear what they're saying, but you as a viewer can uh, get a, like a description of uh, the thought process. I think it's a tremendous. Now, now you're saying what the thought process is of other pros as these two pros are playing. Well, this would be a show with like six players at the table and you could tune in into any player you want and they would go ahead and talk about, you know, their thoughts on putting together a hand. Why they're making certain decisions. And how would the other players at the table not hear this? Well, they would be playing remotely, so uh, they would oh, set up computer-wise where their thoughts uh, couldn't be – they couldn't listen into any of these thoughts. And people could look in and different players to hear what they had to say. Anyway, uh, we talked about it on the show about a month ago, and they're putting together this whole plan and uh, should be able to uh, find out a little bit more about it soon. But uh, that's a tremendous idea in my opinion. Yeah, it really is. Uh Anytime you can get into the thought process of the, any top poker players is a great educational learning, you know, tool for anybody, and I, I, that's something I I I would love to be part of. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, just before we go to break, I got a couple of tournaments I wanted to uh, pass along some results real quickly. Seminole Hard Rock just finished up their October anniversary special the one-year anniversary of the guitar hotel so they had a big tournament eleven hundred dollar buy-in uh was won by uh uh ricardo isagiri uh over there and uh alcides gomez not uh not our friend aldrin gomez but alcides gomez finished second and nigel murray was third aj gambino finished fourth uh first place was forty six thousand so that's that's about the biggest stuff going around in town in here uh nationally uh, congratulations go out to uh, Aaron Massey, who uh, won a tournament uh, in uh, Las Vegas. It was the uh, Venetian Deep Stack Showdown Series, 150000 guaranteed. And he won that tournament, uh, defeating Mackenzie Kramer at the final table. Uh, Aaron's been on the show with us a couple of times, really interesting guy. And I talked to him several times when he's down here playing was his 15th recorded tournament title, bringing his earnings to just shy of 4.2 million. Also, uh, they had a big tournament up at Jacksonville at best bet called the Jacksonville fall frenzy main event, 213 players in this one, $1,500 buy-in. And the winner was Brian Cox. And, uh, he collected 69,300. So there is some stuff going on. Uh, not a huge amount of tournaments, but uh, slowly starting to get back to a little bit of normal, I guess, Joe. Yeah, well, that's, we've got to take that first step. So um, it's nice. It's nice to see that that's you know some of these rooms are coming back, and this is really nice. The fact that the, that we are starting to get. Yeah, I think we lost Joe. Let's take a break here on the program. We'll uh, come back. We'll get Joe back on the line. And uh, now I feel like a regular uh, news program like we watch every day. I'll fall apart, uh, people trying to deal with it. But we'll, uh, we'll come back with more of the show when we return. I want to talk a little bit about the big heads-up duel that starts November 1st, Daniel Negreanu and Doug Polk. And we'll get to back of that and a few other things when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We hope you'll stick around. Be right back after these messages. 
This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. (laughs) You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon still trying to get Joe back on the line to uh, join me for the second half of the show. Uh, don't forget that you can always pick up the show on uh, several different outlets that we talked to you over the years. Of course, we're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, that would be my preference. But, uh, you know, of course, it's up to you. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, a few other places, you can go to uh, Stitcher.com. You can go to um, Several other places. There's Joe back. So we'll get to him in just a second. But, uh, of course, you can go to the Poker Fuse podcast page or you can go to the Hold'em Radio Network. They're still carrying our show, and we appreciate all the stuff they've done for us over the years. Um, lining up some guests, I had a, I did receive an email this week, uh, someone wanting to have a few more South Florida, Florida players on, and we will try to get that uh, as soon as I get more of a chance to get out to some of the rooms with, as things uh, get back to normal a little bit. Uh, I heard that Dania, Dania Beach High Lie, uh, the casino at Dania Beach, is going to be opening their poker room before too long, sometime uh, in uh, next month. Uh, what do you hear about some of these other places? Uh, Magic City's back open, right? Yeah, Magic City, Hialeah, they're back open. Um, you know, luckily... I don't want to say luckily for us, but they've decided not to go as crazy as they were doing with their promotions earlier, which has allowed our room here at Casino Miami. It's allowed you to, to go crazy. Yeah, it's allowed us to flourish a little bit and compete with them, which, you know, our room is nowhere near as big as they are. And um, this is a, a scenario where the pandemic has been good for us because it does limit the amount of tables that all these rooms can have and how many players we're now up to seven players per table. Um, and so, you know, they can't fill up their rooms. So players have been coming over. We've been able to compete, you know, uh, with some of their high hands. And um, I'm very happy with the turnout that we have uh, at Casino Miami's. This last month has been outstanding for us. So, um, you know, but it's it's great news, you know, from a, speaking from a poker standpoint, it's nice that uh, the three rooms are are running, you know, in 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 Dade because Calder doesn't have a poker room. Um, I'm kind of shocked though that Gulfstream hasn't opened theirs. That you know, Dania, like you just mentioned, is thinking of opening up now. I understand that they do have their big game back, and they are open for that big game uh, that they had when I used to work there. Um, I don't know about the aisle. Have you heard anything about the aisle, Dave? Well, they're open, but they just—they're not drawing many tables. To be honest, uh, they're just not doing very well at all. Yeah, I mean, Dave, I think it's come down to the fact, and and poker players have to realize this, you know, because it has to be a, a, a you know a two-way street here, you know. 
Uh, I've mentioned for years that South Florida poker players are extremely spoiled because of the amount of money that the casinos have offered in promotional high hands and everything else. And, you know, I'm hearing comments that, oh, these people ain't offering anything. They don't realize the revenue that was lost by, especially in Dade County, by the casinos having been closed for, we were closed for five months as opposed to three months in Brown. Right, right. And not only that, since we've reopened, which has been almost almost two months now, um, we, we're limited to our hours. So that also has, uh, you know, limited our income. We're extremely happy that, that we're able to open the time we have. But as far as the poker rooms are concerned, poker players need to realize they got to still continue to, um, they, they got to continue, you know, to go to, to their local rooms and support them. Because if they don't, it's not going to be a very difficult decision, in my opinion, for some of the places down here in South Florida to just go ahead and lock up, uh, close the room. I mean, you know, uh, poker rooms don't generate, when you have slot machines, poker rooms generate an extremely, extremely, extremely small percentage of the income. So yeah. small, so small, in fact, that it could be easily replaced and made a lot more money with slot machines in there. Right. So, so for the, for the owners and, and the managers of, of these great casinos to keep the poker rooms open, you know, not only are the employees should be extremely grateful like I am, but so should the players. And they got to stop some of that complaining and support and support them. You know, when they were getting all that high money, when the rooms and, and the rooms were doing really well, they were getting extremely big high hands. And, and it's funny because I always hear the comment, oh, if they weren't making money, they couldn't afford this. They, they have no idea how little money they make so that people, you know, so that the, the employees and the players are making money and having fun. It, it creates a good atmosphere, Dave, but it's definitely not, at least here in South Florida, between Broward and Dave, where the machines are, it's not essential. It really isn't. And, and someplace like Best Bed, West Palm Beach, where poker is a large part of their revenue source, it just isn't here in Broward and Dave. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. You know, what can you do? You, you just try to keep plugging along and uh, hope that things get better. Uh, who knows how they're going to deal with it if it gets worse, because I don't think we're ever going to see the kind of shutdown we had before of uh, major businesses. People just can't afford it. I agree. But, you know, now the good thing is, yes, the numbers have been rising as we've been seeing, but the death, the death totals have not And, you know, that's well, probably that's true. due to the fact that, we know how to deal with it a little better now than we did, you know, when it first yeah. started. And and, and, and not to get into a huge discussion about, you know, the pros and cons of shutting down. But when you look at New York and what happened to them, I think because we are in South Florida where there's a lot of New Yorkers and people have family up there that we uh, we obeyed the rules a lot better than around the state of Florida and other places around the country because we were touched by it a lot closer. And I thought, I know you knew people, you know, that were sick and then, uh, you know, so, so it's a totally different situation, but now finally we have some of these small Midwest States, even places like, you know, South Dakota and Montana and places like that are really getting hit by this virus for the very first time. And uh, they are the ones poo-pooing, uh, you know, uh, how to deal with it and uh, ways to respect it. Joe? Finally. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I just, uh, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. we've seen that a thousand times. It's hard to blame people as much as, as I, I can. Um, they just didn't understand in many ways they were misled and now what's happening is exactly what was discussed early on it's going in waves it's making its way around the country and new york got hit first south florida got hit pretty hard you may remember my uh, stories and we jumped into gear we had mandatory masks we had fines for masks people were getting plucked off off the streets for wearing masks and everybody kind of got into the groove of wearing masks i say most people down here Wear masks. Yeah, if I you, definitely If think you so. wear the masks, 
you don't need to shut down. It's just as simple as that. You just have to be diligent about doing the right thing, washing your hands, using the hand sanitizer, and wearing the masks in these difficult situations, not doing anything, you know, stupid. Um, these other states are going going to learn. They're going to see it firsthand. They'll all have a family member, a friend, somebody, someone in the hospital. Uh, but that's the thing. Even though we're better, it's still not something you want to go through. It's not worth it having to go through a couple of days in the hospital. Even if you don't end up on a ventilator, you have a pre-existing condition. You're going to walk out of there with a bill of a couple of thousand dollars. It's better to avoid it. And And people, unfortunately, have to learn by making their own mistakes. Many people, not all, but many. And that's what we're seeing, North and South Dakota. Yeah. They don't believe it. Ah, it can't, how bad could it be? Oh, that's what it is. And they'll, they will learn. Yeah, well, Wisconsin, and then uh, I guess uh, the other really bad one is, I think, Arizona right now, maybe. A couple of places like that are really having some huge outbreaks. So anyway, I didn't want to get too big a discussion on that. We talked enough about it last week, but uh, let's move on. And I want to talk about this uh, Doug Polk, Daniel DeGranu head-to-head match. And it's kind of been uh, festering for... God, about six years, I think, back in 2014, they had a couple of Twitter wars. And uh, some people said, well, why don't you guys just settle it by playing a head-to-head match? So it's gotten a little bit serious, more serious lately. And now, finally, it's going to come to fruition. It starts this coming Sunday, November the 1st. I don't know how long it will take because, uh, you know, it depends, I guess, on how the, uh, the matches go. Uh, but it starts November 1st, and they're going to play online at WSOP.com, and both players will be playing from their uh, own homes. Uh, they'll play 25,000 hands. Who knows how long that will take? But uh, How many hands? I'm sorry. 25,000. Oh, my God. Uh, the, the stakes are 200-400 with a $100 big blind auto top-up, whatever that is. Uh, $40,000 stacks is basically what they're so, going to have. The loser can quit after 12,500 hands. So if they got to make it to the halfway point before you can quit. And forgive me, Dave, because I, I got cut off a little second. Are they playing online? Did you say? Yeah, online, WSOP.com. So I think people can actually tune into it on uh, Twitch, I believe. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of hands. It's a lot of hands, uh, but it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, Negranu, uh, they say his his live total earnings is in excess of forty two million dollars, and they talk about some of his big ones. Uh, Doug Polk is thirty one. He basically retired about a year and a half ago. Uh, he was uh, dropped out of college at nineteen to play poker full time put together a resume. He actually started a site called Upswing Poker, where you can get some uh, teaching there. He's amassed over $1.5 million, but supposedly a very good head-to-head player. Um, he announced his retirement. It was in September of 2018. And uh, he had a great tweet when people were saying, uh, you know, hey, you, you've retired several times. He said, no, let, let's get this straight. He says, I only retired from poker one time. I didn't play a single hand after that. The only reason I'm back in the streets is because a complete dolt wants to ship me a million bucks. <laughs> so that's what he said about Daniel. Yeah. So wow. uh, they get underway. Um, it depends, uh, you know, a lot on how the early things go. Uh, they will be playing from their own houses. Um, what site? It, I mean, where where is it going to be held? It's on WSOP.com. Okay. Huh. Interesting. All right. And what's what's the buy-in? I mean, what do they sit down with? 25, I think 25,000. 25 or 50,000. I'm not sure exactly. But okay. uh, 200, 400, and they're going to be playing on two tables at a time. Uh, the stacks would be 100 big blinds deep with the auto top-up on. What does that mean? Do you have any idea? No, I don't. <laughs> oh, you know what it is? Probably if they fall behind 25, I mean, if they fall if you get down to a certain point, well, yeah, either a certain point or anytime you're under 25,000, it just it just automatically autom- automatically tops you off to whatever the max is. I would imagine that's what it means. 
Well, here's where it gets interesting. There's actually some of these places like Poker Shares and a few other sites have a place where you can actually bet on this match. And Negranu is a heavy underdog, uh, about four to one underdog, uh, depending on uh, where you get your numbers. But uh, uh, Polk is supposedly a very good player. Uh, they had a poll on Poker News and 58% of the people thought Polk would win. Uh, there are other people backing Negranu, including uh, Mike Mattisau. Uh Matisau is, uh, let's see what he said about it. He had some funny things. He tweeted that he had bet 10,000 uh, of his 20,000 bankroll on Negranu at 4-1. to one. I, If I was to bet, I would also take Daniel Negranu. Hey, if I lose, I lose, but... Did you take the Daniel four to one? I'll take I think that. That, I think that would probably be my choice too. But the uh, uh, uh has been tweeting. They've been, they've been it's been a little nasty uh, in the run up to this thing. But uh, you know what once started going, this feud? What started this? Because you said it's know. been going on for six years. Yeah, I don't know. I guess Polk challenged him several times. Uh, thought he was overrated, and uh, you know they got into it a few times uh, online. So uh, I don't know. Well, when are they supposed started. to start this? Starts this Sunday, November the first. Okay, and is there uh, on WSOP.com? Can anybody watch it? Can we tune into it? Well, that's. I think it's going to be on Twitch. So I'm. I'm. I'm I'll get more information, and uh, next week on the show, we'll uh, talk a little bit more uh, on what you got to do. So uh, there was a lot of uh, nitpicking about some of the rules and everything, but, uh, they seem to have come up with, uh, what they're going to do. And we'll talk a little more about it once it gets get going and some of these, uh, rules are, are printed out on stories and stuff. But, uh, Kane Callis, uh, who's actually the son of, uh, Harry Callis, uh, the former Phillies announcer, but his son is a top poker player and he will be providing streaming commentary, uh, and they said for one little part of the match, they're going to have some cold cards exposed. But uh, uh, for the most part, they will not. Okie doke. It's going to be interesting. This is something where I might watch a little bit of it because I'm a big fan of Daniel. So, And actually, Phil Hilmuth has also bet on Daniel, uh, risking uh, 20000 to win 80000 from Polk himself. Okie doke. So we'll keep people up to date on what's happening there, but uh, I find it very interesting. I'm I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see what I can see on it, and uh, should be a lot of fun. I I agree. This is one. This is one where I may want to watch some some of those hands head to head. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, did also want to pass along that uh, Mike Sexton is on the cover of Card Player this this month. Uh, you can pick up a story uh, on his life, great life if you're a big fan. Uh, they have a lot of stuff going on. Uh, since a lot of the rooms weren't open, and I'm not sure if you could still pick it up, uh, there is a place where you can you can uh, pick it up online for free. So there's a on CarbPlayer.com. There is actually uh, a click through to uh, read the entire issue if you want to. Excellent. Okay, one more thing I want to get to here is a poker hand from Jonathan Little. He's probably one of the great teachers around right now, and he's got a great story out right now that I want to get to. Talks about a hand from the 2019 World Series of Poker main event and uh, how basically how you play uh, uh, a big hand, but uh, what happens when you get raised all in on the river. So uh, let's talk about this hand a little bit. Uh, the uh, blinds are 1,500 and 3,000, 3,000 ante. Uh, when an early position player with 83 big blinds raises to 7,500 and Little looks down at his cards, he has king of spades, queen of hearts. Okay. He says, this is a spot where I would either three bet or fold the majority of the time. You don't want to limp with big offsuit cards in general. Maybe with ace-queen offsuit, but that's about it. He says, uh, either fold or three-bet them, because if you call, there's a good chance you're dominated. Uh, if you three-bet, you can either get them to fold, get them to reveal the strength of their hand if they four-bet, or possibly call and then check-fold on the flop. So he says he did, did uh, three-bet it to 20000 And he said, it, it, having queen-king offsuit, the good thing is that it makes uh, – 
it harder for your opponent to have one of the premium hands as you block hands like kings, queens, ace, king, or ace, queen. You said, obviously, they still could have that, but it's a little bit less likely, and, and that does matter. So he said, uh, you're not raising for value. You're not trying to build a pot, but you're really just trying to get a fold. So if you are called, then we're hoping it to take it down on a post-flop betting round. So the flop is ace of diamonds, four of diamonds, three of spades. Uh, his opponent checks. He said he's going to continuation bet his entire range every time, so he makes it another 20K. He said he probably could have got away with a smaller bet, like 14K, but he makes it 20K. Anyway, his opponent calls, which he was a little bummed out by. He thought maybe he had ended the hand already, but the three of hearts then pairs the board on the turn. <laughs> he said in the main event... It's usually a good time to bluff whenever your opponent takes a passive line. He said, as such, I wanted to play this hand like I had aces, so I made it 40K to go. If my opponent called, the pot would go up to 170K, which is basically what his opponent had left. He said that would give me an opportunity to put out a pot-sized river bluff, which was what his plan was. He says, it looked like it might come to fruition when his opponent called, and then a king completed the board on the river. So nice card for him. He said, uh, this was interesting. Suddenly I had a lot of showdown value. I no longer needed to bluff. So the question became, do I need to value bet? He said, I could discount a lot of hands given how it played out, meaning I likely had the best hand unless my opponent had some sort of full house. He said, if I bet, I'd be trying to get called by hands like pocket queens, jacks, tens, nines. He said, how much would those hands call? He said, some players might call a small bet, but I wound up betting 78000 He said, looking back, I think this was a little too much. I probably should have made it around 55000 But he said, a disaster then occurred as my opponent responded by check-raising all in for 170000 He said, given the odds, we had to win roughly 20% of the time to make it worthwhile. He said, did I have that much of a chance to win? I don't think so. I think my opponent didn't seem like the bluffing type almost always had a full house when check jamming. So I folded, leaving myself with 31 big blinds in the main event. Pretty much a bummer to lose out on a $139,000 pot. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he points out what were kind of his mistakes, but I think uh, the other player just played it right, basically. Yeah, I mean, he took a stand. His The other player... Had always acted first, right? His other opponent acted first. Yeah. So he checked, had him bet. Uh, no reason to do anything until the river. And even on the, uh, well, was it, yeah, even on the river, he checked him, he bet, he went all in. Couldn't have asked for a better scenario. Right. We don't know what his opponent had, but like I said, with Jonathan Little observing his, his opponent, he knows that at that point he was definitely beat. I mean, he was beat with any ace, he was beat. So, uh, but his opponent more than likely might have even had a pocket pair of fours and, you know, had hit the, hit the set on the, on the flop and the full house on the turn. So, uh, you know, it sucks to lose though that as much money as he lost, but uh, I don't know how deep Jonathan went, but, you know, he definitely saved, saved himself those of that money because, Based on what he said and the observation of the player from previous hands, there's no doubt in my mind or his that, that he was beat. Right. Okay. Uh, I thought that was an interesting hand. Uh, he always comes up with some good stuff and, way, and ways to, uh, as you say, uh, you know, kind of illustrate what you're thinking on the hand, which is really what learning is all about. Yeah, like I said, well, the good part there is that John, you got this insight into what Jonathan thought. Jonathan thought that this guy was probably playing a medium pocket pair, um, and again, he was he was representing an ace or aces with with the way he was betting, and obviously he didn't like the fact that his opponent kept calling. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he was hoping that the guy would fold once the three paired on the turn. Uh, you know, once that happened. In essence, I think he caught a bad card with the king. You know? Right, right. And uh, <laughs> that was going to force him to bet. Uh, again, knowing that his opponent 
had pushed in the past, I he didn't address the fact that his opponent could have been setting a trap for him, which in this case that's what he did. He yeah. he let Jonathan make the bets and build up the pot. Right. Okay. Well, I found that to be interesting. Uh, one last thing I want to cover is uh, I looked at a few articles before the show, and uh, there was an interesting thing. Uh, Ashley Adams, who we've also talked about some of his stuff in the show, he says he has four things that you can do to improve your game. And, uh, you know, not too much discussion needed for the last three. Uh, do a better job of game selection, enter more hands, and study in your off time by using poker books, articles, maybe online videos or discussion groups and uh, work on your game if you really want to improve. But the interesting one is the first one where he talks about uh, plugging the leaks in your game. And maybe you could talk about whether you've gone through some of this stuff, but uh, some of these things you basically just do it to yourself, torpedoing any chance you have of having coming out of any session with a profit, because here are three of them. One is having a lack of discipline pre-flop. So you, it's a lot of times when it's only small uh, stakes, like $2, uh, you view just about any hand as having uh, sufficient pot wagers. But what you're failing to do is consider the likelihood that that hand will be raised. So a lot of times you're just thinking you can get away with a call to see the cards, but you got to think about what you're going to do if someone raises you. Yeah, well, that's you know when when you're too loose up front, you know, as a as a as a very well respected player that I knew used to tell me, he goes, ten dollars won is spends just as easily as ten dollars saved, and uh, you know, a lot of new poker players, like you said, it's cheap enough to see the flop, and then you're throwing money in, and then someone either raises, or even worse than raising, Dave you catch something on the hand and you think that now I got to continue going with it. And, you know, by the time, by the time the river comes, you've made a hand and someone's just made a much better hand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another leak in the game is uh, having difficulty uh, getting away from certain hands. He said, you know, you're beat, but you call anyway, since you can't stand the idea that someone might be bluffing you or you might rationalize it uh, feeling like you were pot committed or just, might be floating an opponent to whom you would steal the hand from on the next round. He said, these are just excuses for your difficulty in folding a hand you've fallen in love with. I guarantee you, you can stop into the busiest poker room in the world right now that I may have a thousand live players ask this question. And if every hand doesn't go up, the people who don't raise their hands are either playing poker for the very first time in their lives or they're lying. <laughs> One, one of the two, Dave. One of the two. You ever everybody, had... everybody that I've ever known at one point when you've played poker, when you started playing poker, uh, every single person has done exactly what he just described there. Every single one. You ever have hands that you've had trouble getting away from? Uh, I personally have had problems with getting away with, from, with ace rag. Absolutely. Ab forget ace rag. How about when you know when when you're sitting there with a full house and you just don't want to believe that your opponent caught a bigger full house or a four of a kind on the river when you full when you got your full house they got the four of a kind and you talk yourself you you I have literally talked myself especially early on into making calls because I said there's no way this that and the other and that's just you trying to fool yourself because if you know your opponent you know, and you know that they're not capable of pulling that bluff, that's the one that kills you afterwards when they show it to you. And you go, you know, this guy never bluffs. Why Why did I? You know? <laughs> the ones that you'll do that with are the ones that you know are people that consistently gamble at the poker table instead of playing poker. And you'll talk yourself into making that call. Like I said, there isn't a poker player that I've ever met that has not at one time in their poker life done exactly what you just described and the third leak is uh making desperate bets on the river he said you know that your bluffs have to tell a story and you know you be, need to be selective when you bluff but still when your stack is short and you started the hand aggressively sometimes you feel find yourself shoving with your remaining few chips in a desperate attempt to win or reload uh, have you gone through that 
Yes, I have. Yes, I have. More so in more obviously, more so in tournaments than any other time. Um, I can only recall once in a tournament, deep in a tournament, where I where I check raised all in with absolutely nothing, um, based on the fact that if I had lost that hand, I thought I had no shot at winning the tournament, and I miraculously got my opponent to fold his hand but for some reason uh you know i've selectively bluffed so it, so i can usually get people to lay down their hands but early on much like that other question we do that and we do it in such a way that it's it's almost like you should have a sign put over your head that lights up that says uh he's bluffing call me <laughs> bluffing <laughs> and and you know i i would imagine that Almost every poker player at one time or another, just like the other one, has done that also. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we'll keep an eye on what's happening. That's going to wind things up, I think, for today's show. Uh, don't forget that the uh, Seminole Hard Rock uh, just went through their celebration of their of their big uh, opening of the Guitar Hotel. Their next major tournament, uh, doesn't they don't say anything about a Lucky Hearts open or not a lucky hearts but a rock and roll poker open which is usually in november still probably a little early for that but they do have the fun and the sun scheduled for the week after christmas so we'll keep an eye on that and of course the big tournament in tampa uh starts in the first part of december so uh for people in florida that uh don't live too far from tampa want to drive over uh, start checking out their site and get ready to make your plans for that as well yep. uh, joe thank you for uh all your contributions joe costello you as well and uh, we'll look forward to lining up some guests for uh, the next few weeks. Uh, seems to be what people want to hear, and it's been tough, but uh, we'll try to do something. And remember, folks, don't forget to vote. <laughs> exactly. Uh, don't forget sure to vote. If we're going to have a show posted next Tuesday, it may come later. It may uh, We may get it up in time, but keep looking as usual. And thank you always for your support. Drop me an email at lemondave at yahoo.com two m's lemon dave at yahoo.com and uh love to uh, find out what you think what uh, topics you'd like to hear about what guests you'd maybe like to have on the show or um you know if you're in one of those bar leagues i really love to hear from somebody on what's happening there in the local scene in the free leagues uh certainly a big part of uh the game of poker here in town here joe thanks again joe uh, costello also thanks again and we'll be with you with another show next week. Big Dave Lemon saying so long, and uh, I hope the election goes your way, but to be honest, I hope it goes my way. 